0: and welcome to the latest episode of the varsity podcast podcast where we get you all cut up on everything happening in the north shore sports scene from the friday night drive i'm michael dwojek here with the record north shore founding member joe Coglin. just a quick reminder before we jump right into this uh next episode of the podcast uh just a reminder that you can subscribe to us anywhere that podcasts are available make sure you are checking us out spread the word subscribe um we're everywhere you are uh, listen to podcasts so make sure you just subscribe we always appreciate all the kind words and the, um all the support that we've gotten throughout the years with the Varsity Podcast but um we're going to do our usual four-quarter format for this week's episode of the podcast in the first quarter we recap basketball as um uh, nutrier and GBF battled it out on Friday night for a sectional championship, and Joe is there. So um, we'll hit on that and talk about what happened in that big matchup. In the second quarter, we're joined by New Trier Boys basketball head coach Scott Fricky. He talks after New Trier's uh, game against GBS on Friday. In the third quarter, we play way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, it is playoff hockey time as we get you caught up on everything that's happening um in the year-long season that seems to be uh high school hockey as well as uh, get you ready for some championship and semifinal matchups as well so um jam-packed episode of the podcast as always probably one of the last winter episodes of the podcast as uh it's starting to uh, tease us out there and get a little bit warmer so um that means we are getting closer to the spring season but we got put a wrap on the basketball season, at least for our area teams, where uh, GBS and New Trier played in a huge sectional matchup on Friday night at GBS. Um, GBS able to hold on and go off with the 55 to 52 win to win the sectional final over New Trier, probably one of the um, best environments that we've seen in a long time. Joe was there, and he'll talk about it. Um, just what it was like to be there and just an environment most of the game but um, GBS pulls off 55-52 takes two of three from Nutria this uh, year and uh, um, Joe you were there for that game it was quite the battle uh, Nutria had a chance at the final shot but it just seemed like uh, um, GBS took full control in the third and fourth quarter and um, really never let Nutria get back into it
1: yeah, I mean, it really took a, a Herculean effort, specifically from Josh Kirkpatrick of Nutrier, to even get a chance at the end. Um, you know, GBS did a good job of after they built that seven-point lead in the third quarter, really holding Nutrier at more than one possession. Um, at times, it would get to three after a bucket, but GBS would come down and answer. So Nutrier rarely had a possession where it was, you know, for a for a go-ahead or for a tie down the stretch, um, which makes it. You know, difficult, you're always clawing. You're putting a lot of effort into just trying to maintain one possession or, you know, stay in the game, which to the credit, they did. It was if, you know, you felt it from the crowd. Um, I was on, you know, court side taking photos and and doing stats, but a lot of emotion in that room, a lot of exhaustion, you could tell as the team's battled. Um, It was a good one. Um, And in the end, Nutrior just didn't quite have enough that last shot um, was a bit short, looked good. Coach Fricky thought it was good from my perspective. I was literally under the basket, so I could tell it was a little short, but um, you know, off one foot, Carlo Kolak gave it a, gave it a shot. Um, Nutri- or, uh, GBS hit their shots, um, free throws, their freebies down the stretch. I think uh, Norad was four of five, and um, no, well, Norad was four of four, and Martinelli was four of five uh, in the fourth quarter. And, um, unfortunate that those are the guys who got the ball. Um, you would try and probably to get it to a couple other dudes and foul some other guys, but on the opposite side, the Titans are trying to get them the ball. So it's not that easy. Um, just a really good ball game. And, you know, if we were to summarize it, um, two really good teams, we know that we've said that over and over. Um, I think if they played a hundred times, it'd be really close, um, um in terms of a 50, 50 split. Uh, They match up well. We were close on the point predictions. very good defensive effort by both teams um, in the fifties. But it comes down to shot making Um, and obviously basketball comes to that, but these two teams are shooting teams and they can be, Um, but it came down to new Trier in the first half was one for 11 from three. Um, A lot of the looks they got to their guys um, and the one three that went in of those 11 was banked in. So um, Nutria was just off from the floor. Um, they, they really out-hustled, I thought, GBS on the boards, especially in the first half. So they got some stick backs that gave them the lead by halftime. Um, but they didn't make their shots. And you know who did make his shots was Cooper Norad. He was on fire. And that's a obviously um, a dangerous player and a threat wherever he is. And he hit some huge shots, five of six from three, a couple big contested ones, one from about 32 feet, um, he's just, when he's on, what are you going to do? You need to match him and the Trier's guy, who you could say is Jake Feegan. You could say is Noah Shannon, but you know, Jake Feegan shoots 47%. He was off. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, and what they did was they grew, tried to grind it out, got some buckets um, in the paint Monroe had 10 in the first half. In the second half, they ran some sets and got some bu- easy buckets, um, to work off of, but the threes weren't coming. So, I think that's what it comes down to: is Cooper Norhead had had a superstar like game, twenty seven points, and uh, the difference was three.
0: Yeah, it was definitely. It came down to the final shot and making your shots. Um, I I know um, a lot of people over the internet were talking about the physicality of the game, and we were talking about this a little bit before. But how much did the refs let them play, and how much of a factor was there really into what um, both teams were able to do, especially down in the post?
1: You know, if you were to, you know if I was a ref critic, I would say it was a bit inconsistent, um, down the stretch than it was the rest of the game. And I'm always kind of a guy who says, if it's a foul, it's a foul. Uh, you know, refs say they don't call it different at the end of the game. I think they, they might just to let the game go and, and it's playoff basketball too. So it is physical. These two teams know each other. So it's physical. Um, you know, I just thought at times, I was thinking, okay, they're letting him play. And other times I was thinking, okay, that's a, that's a small foul. So a bit inconsistent. I don't, I don't think there's any blame to go on the refs, if you want to put it at that. I, I really don't. I think you look at the numbers, Nutria's one for 11 from three. Kupanora it's five of six from three. It's kind of it. I mean, I, to me, that's a lot of it. You know, Nutria hits their threes in the first half. I think they might walk away with this win. They, they even shoot 40%. I think they, they, they're in really good shape. Um, but it wasn't Nutrier, It was GBS on their home floor and came away. Now, down the stretch, I think a lot of people were upset because uh, obviously Nutriere is playing high-pressure defense, trying to get steals, and, of course, if not, get the foul, trying to do a lot of trapping things, not trying to let Cooper Nord get the ball. So a lot of the guys are standing in front of Cooper or Nick, and they're pushing the Nutriere guys out of the way. At what point does that physicality become a foul is a gray area in my mind at the end of a ball game because um, the defenders are trying to stay in front and they're moving. So as, as the, the GBS guys say, let's just call it NORAD, as NORAD, NORAD's trying to come back to the ball, you know, he has a right to a certain lane. Now he can't run over anybody, but he has a right to come back to the ball without somebody stepping in front of him and not being set. There's that gray area. When does it, when does that person set? I thought that was probably teetered on a couple of times. There was one specifically where he, he ran over Josh Patrick who was just standing there. That is a foul. Could be called a foul. If you're letting it go, how much is Nutri looking for a foul as well? There's a, there's a lot of things there, but that was a foul. Um, At the end of the game. um, I don't know. You know, I don't know how much you can call those fouls. I do think the one was. Some other ones were tough to see from push-offs to um, neutrier trying to draw a foul. Who knows um, how much they are. So, um, you know, there was one actually at the end of the first half, Norad gets up a half-court shot, and right before he shot it, he, he completely ran over Kirkpatrick again, who was set. That's a foul, but do you call it at the end of the half? My perspective, yes, a foul is a foul, but at the same time, the clock's expired. So, you know, take it for what it is, a physical basketball game. I don't think it was the difference between winning and losing, and you can dissect uh, individual calls all you want. Um, but it was a physical game. These guys have been playing against each other for, li- like we talked about, eight, nine years. It's crazy. It was like round number 18 or 19 between certain group subsets of these players from Willamette and Glindy. So. Um, it's been it was it was a good basketball game. I thought what you expected. Um, I was really disappointed in Nutrier not making the shots. not in Nutrier. In that, I think if they did, we would have had a really good back and forth. Instead, it was more of a defensive slog.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely uh, thought that would have been the case. And also, um, it seems once uh, GBS was able to take control in the second half. Um, like we talked about Kirkpatrick hit, uh, a lot of three pointers as he has, uh, throughout the entire, you know, the entire time. Um, just talk about the resiliency and what the coaches talked about, especially for key, um, just how his team was able to fight back, even though GBS, uh, kind of took control of the, both the momentum of the game and also the pace of the game in the second half.
1: Yeah, they really did. And let's talk, yeah, let's talk about that. So, uh, GBS got that seven point lead in the third quarter and they kind of held it there. And I think they entered the fourth up five or six. Um, but Nutriere kept getting buckets to match just to keep it right there. And, and a lot of times they'd get it to three points and then GBS with his shots, get it back to five and so on and so forth. But in the middle of that fourth quarter, uh, man, actually it was with about, or it was early in the fourth quarter. It was about it was six minutes left. I mean, GBS held the ball for three minutes. Uh, that's, that's Illinois basketball for you. Uh, love it or hate it. I, We've talked about in this pod that we hate it. Um, I I do not blame GBS at all. It's what Mutrier would have done if they saw that opening. It's what Loyola does when they see that opening. Um, they protect the ball, and um, they get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, and, and they look for overcompensating on the defender's part so they can get an open look, and if they don't see it, they reset, and they do it all over again because that's the playbook in Illinois with no shot clock. So that's what GBS did. Nutria's defense held for a while, then they gave up an open look that was missed, and GBS got the rebound because Nutria was so spread out. So they they got it from a two minute possession to a three minute possession, um, I believe. Then a foul, and GBS missed the free throw. So actually, Nutria came out without any points against them. But all of a sudden, there's only under three minutes left in the game. So, what are you going to do? Uh, That's the nature of the game. Really tough stuff. So, yes, they did control the pace. Um, And then Josh Kirkpatrick, my goodness, uh, it was a very just, you know, you saw it in his eyes a little bit. Noah Shannon fouled out in that fourth quarter. Um, When he started, when Kirkpatrick started to go off for new Trier, Feagan wasn't out yet, but he fouled out about a minute later, a minute and a half later. Um, So their two best shooters um, were out. And so Kirkpatrick was, was hand on the ball with Carlo Kolek and he just took over, um, hit free throws, hit all four of his three throws, hit two threes, hit uh, a couple buckets underneath, including a foul plus one. I mean, he scored 15 points in two minutes and, uh, 50 seconds or something crazy. So yeah. that, that's Awesome. Um, that was he he really kept a new trier in it. You know, he told me after the game, like he just realized he didn't want his season to end and whatever he had to do. Um now those shots don't always go in when you're trying that hard, but they did. So, you know, what an effort uh and what a performance for Josh with his team just you know grasping at anything they could and clawing their way back. The last three he hit cut the game to one, and it was from about you know 28 feet with Norad in his eye. Uh, I thought Norad was going to block it. He got it up. It went in. Uh, Norad then hit uh, both his free throws, but Nutria had a three to tie it. They got a decent look, but Kolek had to jump off one foot and it was just a a smidge short and that was that. Um, But, uh, you know, unbelievable performance down the stretch. Resiliency. Nutria's defense did what they could. Credit GBS for uh, not turning the ball over. Um, You can talk a little bit about some of the fouls called on if they were fouls or travels. That was another thing because, on the traps, you know, um, you try to escape a trap or you try to pass out of it. GBS was trying to split a little bit, and then they tumble. Fouls were called, which right. you know, tough to see. GBS out of a, a better view than I did, so um, it was it was just a deep hole that that GBS kept right there. And I think you got to give GBS a lot of credit for not turning the ball over or, and hitting and for hitting their free throws.
0: All right, we'll get back to or We'll stick, stick with it in the second quarter, but we'll talk more about their future in the third quarter in way or in no way. But let's jump on over now to the second quarter where we're joined by uh, head coach Scott Fricky. Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with Coach after the tough loss on Friday night. Um, just uh, what, uh, what, what, are, what are the folks going to hear at home?
1: Yeah, we talked a lot about um, about the team as a whole. Uh, and what they did this year, you know, 30, Nutria's got a rich basketball history. we talked about that too, um, but he called them the best team in school history. Uh, hard to argue. I mean, you can make it a case for sure. They, they set the program record for wins. Um, so there's that. They got a sectional uh, championship appearance. Um, so only four losses, um, quite a season. So we talked about that a lot, what it means, what, what the guys are all about. Uh, and we also talked, you know, some ins and outs of the game and what made the difference.
2: All right,
0: let's take a listen.
2: I just told these guys that, you know, the result of today is something that we didn't want, but these guys are champions. I mean, it was a tough situation. They get a home game in a sectional. I mean, that they're a really good team. I think we're a really good team. And I think they beat us by the margin of them playing at home. You know, it was, but these kids are champions and, you know, win or lose this game, 30 wins by this team, I'm so proud of them. And, uh, you know, uh, they shouldn't have their heads down. I mean, there's obviously, they're heartbroken in there because we're a state champion caliber team mm-hmm. and it's life's not easy. You got to go through tough roads and this was a tough road. And I thought we, um, I thought we executed really well in the first half. I mean, I think, I think Nord shot it in extremely well and I think we didn't shoot well. And I think if we shoot well, we win. You know, what I mean, it's, it's little things like that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's not as simple as norad versus vegan but he made five to six and vegan was cold to start and it was clear you were getting trying to get him shots. so how much did that play into your game script him
2: i mean we're always trying to get him shots i mean he's one of the best shooters in the state Mm -hmm. you know and um, let me tell you i'll take that kid shooting it at any time over anybody you know and sometimes it doesn't happen you know and that's and we've talked about what was the final score 55 52 yeah you know i mean I thought it was a great defensive game by both teams. I thought both teams scrapped hard, you know, and it comes down to making more shots than the other team. And, and with all that went wrong in the third and fourth quarter, kind of in the second half, we put ourselves in position with the ball, you know, down three, one possession. Yeah. And I thought the shot was in and it wasn't, but um, did it,
1: did it look good from your perspective? So, yeah, it
2: looked like it was down. Yeah. It had, you know, rolled around, but, uh, you know, these guys fought hard. They fought hard.
1: I mean, you got to go the length. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, Noah fouls out, and Feegan fouls out. You know, we were, we were in a tough situation. And, you know, it seemed like we didn't get many calls. You know, like, they, they didn't have many fouls, and we had some fouls. And I thought there were some plays at the end where guys were kind of falling down and traveling. And we were getting, you know, so a lot of things went wrong, but we were still there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. With Feegan and Shannon out. Yeah. You know, the two starters, two still shooters. There. Yeah. Josh goes nuts. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, you know could you i could kind of see in his eyes did you tell him anything or was that all him taking control oh yeah we
2: wanted to you know we were playing in kind of a hurry mode where we needed quick possessions and guys were up guarding and he was going by guys you know and then guys sag off and he was hitting shots you know it was um we obviously ran some plays down the stretch and i thought we executed all of them yeah, we executed all of them, and you know, didn't make a shot here, didn't make a shot. But I mean, I thought we executed fine on the stretch.
1: Yeah, Monroe in the second half didn't get as many buckets. I, you know, some were stick backs in the first half. Yeah. But anything different they did on him? Yeah. You know,
2: when he caught inside, they doubled them. You know, so he was getting other people's shots, and yeah. we just weren't making them. So um, you know, I, I don't. What did he end up with? How many points? Yeah. Twelve would be my I guess. Ten yeah.
1: in the first half. He had 10 in the
2: first half and two in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. how many in Martin Elliott
1: uh, He had three field goals and then five free throws. So, 12. 12. 12.
2: So, wins. that was identical. Like, we took him out and they took yeah. our guy out. You know, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty identical. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought we added some tweaks for this game. I mean, we had one day to prep with that Wednesday game. And our kids... Executed the four things that we put in like perfectly. You know, it was unbelievable how we got looks off of the stuff that we tweaked And sometimes it's you know just it doesn't happen. And We talked all year about um, you know sometimes you're not going to shoot well in the playoffs, and you got to go, you got to play defense. And this is the best defensive you know team that I've coached. Yeah, and um, I thought we guarded well, and it comes to a point where you got to come out, and you got, you know, they were hitting five free throws, and I, they scored some points from the free throw line. A lot. But twenty-two to twenty at halftime, this team that puts up seventy-five a game, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought our defense was good. So
1: you kind of started that this team's going to go down as, and what what were you kind of going to say? Yeah,
2: the best team in the history of New Jersey. You think I mean, so, do that? I mean, so I've been around since '95, and um, we've had some really good teams. You know the lot of gears and and stuff, but you know this this team we had we had the pieces. You know we had the point guard, the shooters, the the post presence, the toughness. The you know I and no one's won thirty wins in the history. I think twenty eight wins was our most wins in the history. Yeah. I mean, thirty and three going into the game, so thirty and four. Yeah, that's that's with the schedule that we amped up this year and played. I mean, it's incredible.
0: Thanks so much, Scott, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, let's jump on over now to the second half of the podcast and the third quarter where we play our weekly game of way or no way. Um, I throw out five propositions to Joe and we argue or mostly agree now on uh, what uh, is uh, happening way or no way. We don't think it can happen. Um, all right well we what we've talked about and for most of this podcast so far has been nutrient, and we're going to stick with that in the first question here um, so GBS went on to win and they won um, on Friday night but then they went on to lose to Barrington on Tuesday night sectional for a, a chance to go down um, if you guys listened to last week's episode of the podcast Joe and I thought that was inconceivable that the winner of that game would be able to win so um, way or no way Joe um, was this new Cheers Boys Basketball's best chance at winning a state championship?
1: Ever? Yeah. Oh, hard to tell because uh, I wasn't alive for most of their really good teams. Um, right. They had some good teams, really good teams at the end of the 90s with Matt Lottick, who's like a, a legend over there, um, and now coaches over at Valpo. Um, but hard to say they're not because, oh, man, there's so many factors. It was their best opportunity, certainly, that I've seen to go down state. Um, to win, though, you had to beat Glenbard West. And I'm still saying no one's beating Glenbard West. Um, I think the way Whitney Young is playing right now, maybe. See, I'm going to get into a whole thing about high school basketball. But um, the last team I saw from Nishir that, that started to make a run towards state was the team that went to the super sectional against Jabari Parker, um simeon team and they gave they i remember them giving a jabari game with reed berman was on that team and um and the the kid that went to princeton stephen cook that was a very good team um but it was i was not this good it wasn't this good of a team it just wasn't um and uh, so i think this was their best that i've seen and maybe their best ever although they have been to state before but uh it was just not meant to be. I mean, you got two top five teams still, in my opinion, still two top five teams, um, who played in the, in the sectional round. That's tough. It happens. Um, the way we're set up here in Illinois, it's bound to happen when you're playing neighbors. Sometimes your neighbor is just as good as you. So, um, I will say it's the best chance that I've seen.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll agree with you. that it's probably their best chance. Uh, I will say they were not going to beat, um, Glenbard West. I'm really, like you mentioned, I'm kind of really interested in the potential Whitney Young-Glenbard West uh, matchup there. That should be a lot of fun. I mean, Bolingbroke should probably give them a, a hard time in the semifinals, but I just think, I don't know. This team just seems like the team of destiny all year. They've been getting all the headlines all year, and just, justifiably so. I mean, they're just such a really good team, but um, I do think this was probably New best chance, and it just happened to be that like you said, their neighbor GBS was also very, very good and had a historic season for the school. And you just have, I mean, we don't know whether Barrington would have been able to beat New Trier and whether then New Trier would have been able to beat Whitney Young and all this in this hypothetical world. But um, yeah, I think it was probably their best chance. And I still don't think that they probably would have won based on the other teams playing there. I mean, everyone knows that a championship season for any team at any level is you know, luck and you end up playing and who ends up winning and who ends up tripping around and all that sort of stuff but um yeah I think way this is probably new cheers best chance at winning a championship and it just so happened that there are a lot of equal teams um if not better teams in the same year and that's just there's some down years and there's some up years and this was a really good up year for especially for class 4a uh, boys basketball in the state of Illinois so um way this was their best chance and it should be interesting to see how they do um moving forward but Let's go back and let's go to uh, Loyola girls basketball, where um, way or no way Joe Loyola girls made it to the super sectional, loss to the eventual champion Stevenson. Um, so, I mean, way or no way that Loyola girls basketball can keep up this pace and get down to state uh, next year.
1: Ooh, you know, it, it, since we, we, you brought this up on this topic, it's, you know, make sure to give Loyola girls, I think we did last week a lot, give them kudos for what they did. Um, quite a special run for them and then I didn't I wasn't aware of some of the teams as close intimately as I was with on the boys side of things so it was it was interesting to me to see how the state playoffs and the state finals played out and to see Stevenson win just a week earlier see Loyola have them in their grasp and just kind of let it you know slip away two very good teams obviously it was anybody's ball game but they had the chance they had the chance to beat Stevenson and then who knows where they stay champions. They sure had a shot it seemed. So that's uh, that, they're probably thinking about that a lot. So, um, but I think they have a good setup. So way moving forward, um, we thought this year was going to be a bit of a rebuild and it turned out to be a 31 season while they also built up some of their uh, back end. Now they only played, you know, their rotation was basically five guards. And then when some foul trouble came along, they, they insert six and seven into their lineup. Um, but really it was their starters. And three of those starters are coming back. Uh, I'm sorry, two of those starters and one, one off the bench are sophomores. So they'll be there for at least two more years in their point guard, which is huge. Kelsey Langston. Um, they're kind of, I don't know what you call it, wing slash guard in uh, Paige angles who did was a bit of everything for them and turned out to be a real score down the stretch. And Morgan Bruno is a dead eye sharpshooter. Um, and she came off the bench. So those three are going to just jump right into the lineup. They got some other cards they can play on their bench that they have to develop. Let's see. They got height for once on their bench. I know they have Catherine Burke, who's an all state volleyball player on their bench. Let's see if she gets into the lineup. Um, I'm not sure of her basketball prowess, but you know, Ah uh, can't teach height, so we'll see about that. Um, But I do think they're well set up. So I'll say, way that they're they're in they're in a good position to be one of the best next year.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely a way. I mean, yeah. I think this season has shown exactly how much you can really take for what we say and that sort of stuff. I mean, just for <laughs> I mean, keep listening to podcasts, this is great stuff and everything. But it just just shows that we didn't know much about this Loyola girls basketball team, and they proved us to be one of the best teams in program history and they're bringing a lot back. So I think way definitely, I think they were probably doing that this year. They just lost a champion this year. I mean, I don't know what Stevenson is going to be doing next season, but um, yeah, way I definitely think this team can get over the hump next year and get down, back down to the state finals. I think um, this program has been knocking on that door for a l- little bit now. So um, way I definitely think that this team can definitely uh, um, go down to state and uh, um, make some noise down there, especially with the majority of this group coming back next year. All right, uh, we've been calling this New girls' basketball team kind of cursed all year just based on um, the cancellations they've had, the COVID outbreak they've had throughout the year. Um, so way or no way, Joe, that this year uh, you can just throw this year to the trash and that New will uh, be rebounding back to its normal uh, levels of play next year?
1: I think they have some work to do. Um... Of course, you want to throw it away and say, you know, they'll be better. I think they will be better. But, uh, you know, there's something to be said. This was the first, I believe, the first under 500 or the second in Terry Rogers' whole, whole tenure. You know, she's a winning basketball coach. She's a Hall of Famer. Um, she uh, she gets the job done. And I have no doubt she'll get the job done in the future with Nutrier, too. It's just how long is that going to take till they return to a sectional champ? caliber type team like they've been for so many years Um, is it going to take a year or two I I think it might Um, I don't know if it's going to happen overnight Um, but uh, that being said the talent doesn't stop flowing to Nutriere they got good feeder programs and um, it's a talent rich area so I think they'll get back there Um, I do think they have some underclassmen that are going to rise up um, and be big contributors that got some tick this year Um, I think they'll be all right, but um, I don't know if they turn back into a sectional caliber um, team right away. I think it's going to take a a year or two, but um, they'll get there.
0: I'll go with Way. I think that this team, I think that this this, these last two years has really been impressive to watch how coaches and players have been able to battle adversity and all that sort of stuff and deal with pandemic cancellations and postponements and illnesses and all that sort of stuff so I think that new Chair will likely get back to where it's been and uh, um, hopefully they'll be able to continue what they were able to do recently and I think that this is just a blip on their radar and I think uh, so I think they'll be back to uh, playing their usual style of basketball um, next season I'm sure that uh, this season left a bad taste in a lot of theirs and especially Terry Rogers' mouth. So um, it should make for an interesting off season where the team's working hard and uh, getting back uh, to the status quo um, for the program. All right. One of the, I feel like one of the bigger uh, issues or one of the bigger storylines of before the pandemic was um, Loyola basketball, especially boys basketball and how good they were going to be and potentially make it down the state. So Way or no way, Joe, uh, that the Loyola boys basketball program could get back to that level um, of basketball, or whether that was just a one-year wonder?
1: Um, I don't. I, again, I don't. I don't know if they get back there right away. I think boys basketball in the state is is among the best in the country, um, and uh, you know Loyola uh, plays in the Catholic League, which is on the rise in hoops. Um, Mont Carmel's, the Brother Rice's, the, the St. Rita's um, are all coming up and is uh, right there but I don't know if they're on the cusp of a state appearance I think they're, you know, they had a decent season this year, a good season you know, you don't sneeze at 20 wins, um, that's a good season um, and for what they had with their lack of height to do that, I think is special um, I think they'll build off that and I think Coach Livatino always has them in a in a competitive mode. And I don't, you could say that about all teams, but I mean, they're, they're going to compete with everybody, just the way they, they grind um, in, in, on both sides of the basketball. And um, I think we're gonna have some people come up. I think they're, I, I really think it's huge to have a point guard, kind of like having a, um, a quarterback start as an underclassman, um, you know, getting that experience going in your senior year. A lot of pressure is on that person. And uh, so Alex Angro's being a junior's big, um, one of their leading scores. I don't know if Miles Boylan was their leading scorer, but he's certainly up there. He's only soft, um, I think. Um, and they got some other guys too that were, they were big contributors that were underclassmen. So I think Loyola is well set up too. And I think they're going to be good. And I think they're going to advance their offense a little bit um, with those two guys leading the way. Um, and that'll win them some ballgames. I think they're they're another 21 team next year, uh, 20 plus.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh, um... I'll go with no way. I think, uh, that team for Loyola was probably one of the best in programs history. It is one of the best in program history. And I think that was kind of a, um, this team has always been competitive and under Tom Lovatino, especially in the last few years and, um, has a lot of talent, but, um, I think that was a special group of guys playing together and it just wasn't fortunate that, um, the tournament had to be canceled because obviously the Pandemic getting started and all the uncertainties that we had at that time, but yeah. um, I think no way. I don't think that the program can get back to that level that quickly. Um, I think it'll take some time. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll get back in a year or two, but um, I don't think that'll be a next year thing. Um, though I think that next year they could potentially compete for a, a regional championship or even more. All right, final question is always the biggest question on the, one of the best questions we usually ask on this podcast. Um, it has nothing to do with, uh, football playoff schemes or anything like that. It has to do with our topic of the shot clock. <laughs> Joe, way or no way is the shot clock ever going to come to the state of Illinois and basketball in high school level.
1: Yeah, it will. I'll say way. Um, I don't think it's in the immediate future though. I think there, you have concerns about other things, but you know, all it takes is the right kind of grouping of people on that board to really push it, um, and cause it makes a lot of sense to me. You know um, I think a lot of people talk about <clears throat> how do you staff it? You know, is it equitable to have a shot clock cause you got to staff it at all these schools and that's um, but I think, you know, other States make it happen in with similar big cities. So how do they make it happen? Let's, let's copy their model. Um, let's see if we can fund it in a different way. Um, but uh, I think it has to happen. I just don't think the game's as good. And if you want to make the game as good, as it can be a shot clock's a big part of it. Um, You know, they put it in other levels for a reason. Um, And uh, you know, you occasionally see the big outliers where the game's like 12 to eight, where a team holds the ball the whole time. Um, It's rare. So, but, but the ones you don't notice are those 40 point games. The team wins by like seven and they held the ball for the whole fourth quarter. You don't hear about that, but it it happens. And I don't think that's the way basketball is meant to be played. Um, I think it's meant to be, you know, you get your time to shoot than the other team does, and you got to do with that possession, what you, everything you can, um, to get points. So uh, I just think it's a much better game. I think it's, it's better. I don't, I don't know if it matters much. Some, some, some people try to argue that you have to prepare these kids for the next level with the shot clock. Well, mostly kids aren't playing on the next level. So I think the biggest argument is just that it makes it a better game for us all to play and enjoy and that's the point of it isn't it so um i think we'll see it but i do not think it's immediate
0: yeah i think it'll need to happen it seems like i mean you saw with with uh state football with the reseedings happening with 1a through 6a you saw a clunker of games and not the best teams playing against each other and that led to the ihsa making a decision to um, change it up and make it, you know, full one to 32. But, um, I think you'll probably need to see it happening either at a championship game or something like that, where someone's just holding onto the ball. But, um, the biggest argument I had, I hear against having a shot clock is teams need to play defense where it's like, if you're, I mean, you're not playing defense if You're going to have to follow them because they are just throwing the ball around this sort of stuff. Like part of, This is like part this is getting into a whole argument of like the whole NFL overtime rule or whatever. But you have to play defense if you want to win a basketball game. And if you are just gonna throw the ball around and you can't play defense for 30 seconds, you don't deserve to win the game. I mean, the basketball is a game of of both offense and defense. And if you can't score the ball and then play defense for, I don't know what it would be 35 seconds for high school, maybe 40 seconds, um, you I mean, you don't deserve to win the game. I mean, you need to make sure. You can play offense and defense and a shot. Adding a shot clock only makes the games better, forces teams to move the ball quicker, forces teams to get into their offenses quicker instead of holding the ball for 30 seconds and then starting to run plays. Um, I just think it doesn't make any sense. It makes the players better. So um, no way, I don't think it'll happen within a year or two. Will it happen in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I think it will be. I think uh, the technology is definitely getting much better at this point where you can easily, I mean, you have play clocks at a lot of schools at this point when it comes to football, so I don't see a reason why you can't just have like a little side uh, thing on the sides of the court and it's a shot clock. I mean, I don't think you need to install any fancy systems like the NBA or college has, but just have a clock on there somewhere in the corner so the players can see. You can even have reps yell out five or 10 seconds left on the shot clock if you want to, but I think that's an e- it's an easy fix, and it's something a lot of schools need to do, and the IHSA needs to do so. Um, it needs to happen in the next five or ten years, or um, I'm going to be on this rant. Go, continue <laughs> to do this rant for the next five to ten years.
1: Yeah, that what you just brought up, that defensive argument, play defense, is a non-starter for me because playing defense for two and a half minutes is some of the most elite defense you're ever going to see. Right. Uh, keeping them away from the basket for that long is crazy. That's that is elite defense, not giving up an open shot for that for that long of a time. Defense is not all steals and blocks. That's not how defense works. Defense right. keeps the team away from open looks. And it, of course, off the scoreboard is your goal. So to do that for three straight minutes is intense. It's crazy. Now, if, if you notice teams just not playing defense at all and just letting a team hold the ball at the key, like, literally hold the ball. Uh, well, that's okay, maybe, but that doesn't happen. Teams are right. playing pressure defense because you could get a five second call. You could get so on and so forth. But not getting a steal on an elite point guard like Cooper Norad or whoever else is not the only way to play defense. I mean, it's just keeping him in front of you and not letting him get an open shot. That's
0: defense. Anyway,
1: we could go on, but good, good point. Yeah, been
0: on this topic for a long time, but we're going to spare everyone and uh, save it for a summer uh, episode of the podcast. But that was way or no way. We're going to head on over now to the fourth quarter where we've got some hockey conversation. We've been uh, uh, busy with basketball all season long, justifiably so, but now it's time to talk about some hockey in this final weekend. Um, We've got uh, the girls' state title game taking place on Sunday at Bensonville West. Usually it takes place at the United Center. I don't know whether... um, that got a little messed up this year with the schedule and the pandemic schedules and then kind of stuff. But hopefully they can get that back to uh, its normal uh, way. But Nutria will be playing on Sunday for another state title. They will be taking on a team that Joe and I did not know much about. Heading into this <laughs> game. Uh, they're taking on the Chicago Romans, which is a compilation team of Jones, from Lane Tech, from Ladin, um, from Lincoln Park, from St. Ignatius and from Whitney Young. So they're actually the number one seed um, in this tournament. Uh, New Nutriers varsity team was the number two seed. New Trier defeated Glenbrook 5 to nothing in the quarterfinals and then defeated the Upper Fox Valley 4-3 to three, um, on Sunday um, to advance to the championship game. So um, Joe, I know that uh, we haven't talked about much about this team this year, but obviously Nuchir, always a talented girls uh, program as it is for um, Nuchir Green as well for the boys program, but um, just kind of loosely looking at things ahead for Sunday, I mean, what can we expect in this matchup? I know um, we don't know too much about uh, this new uh, Chicago team, but um, just based on what we know about Nuchir, what can they do to make sure um, that they can bring another state title uh, back to Winnetka?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean you said I don't know too much about the Romans, but I know they were the one seed in the tournament. Um, they beat Loyola one zip. So uh they can play hockey. Um, so it's gonna be a, a good one, I feel. I feel like we're we're looking at a one goal game here. I mean Trier just beat had to come back to beat Upper Fox Valley, um, which is also a combination team. Um, they had to come back to beat them. You know, Neutrier actually put two varsity teams in this tournament, by the way. So Nutria talent is stocked uh, currently for the girls hockey program. But uh, so I think we're going to see a good one in Bensonville. Um, I know Nutria can fill it up. Um, so even if they go down, don't, uh, don't count them out. Um, the Trevians, I actually don't even know if they are technically the Trevians, but Nutria um, since they're not a school team, um, it should be, should be good hockey on um, both. These teams have put together good records. Um, they're always perennial. Nutria is a perennial favorite and they can, put, put points on the board. So, um, should be a good championship bout.
0: Yeah, it should be a fun matchup as always. Nutri always fighting for, um, a state championship. So that matchup will be taking place on Sunday at Bensonville West. Um, so make sure you're checking it out there. Um, and then tonight we're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night, the boys semifinals are taking place. Nutri green taking on Saint Vider at six thirty. And then, uh, you have Loyola gold, um, taking on Stevenson, um, at eight twenty-five um, at Bensoville West as well. Always forgot about the great, um, late hockey starts always makes for a uh, fun coverage in this sort of stuff. But, um, we've talked about Nutria green and Loyola gold a little bit before with their matchups uh, against each other. Um, Joe, do you expect both of our area teams to, uh, win this game or do you expect, uh, they're both number one and two seats, or do you expect an upset to happen in the semifinals?
1: I don't, but I think that's going to be more good hockey. You know, uh, Stevenson is the three seed, um, so they were sitting right behind Loyola. They had a good triple overtime win over Ignatius in the uh, quarters. Um, so uh, it took a lot to get here, but they proved themselves. Um, so I think we're going to have a good one, but I think Loyola Gold is just too good this year. Uh, they have the leading point scorer in the league in Jack Gustafson. They got two other guys I believe in the top ten in the league, um, so they are a high-powered offense. Um, they can score the puck, and uh, so I think they're gonna they're gonna win that one against Stevenson and Nutria Green. Um, I think they beat Vider before this year. I think they're in good shape. Vider had a tough tough quarters too. Um, beat um, OPRF in double overtime, so um, might be a little wiped. And Nutria's Oh, that was—I'm sorry—that was in the um, couple rounds ago. They actually beat Nutria White. Another Nutria team was was trying to get in the semis, but uh, um, to get there to play another Nutria Green, another Nutria team. So that's fun. Um, but Nutria Green—I mean—they're the one seed for a reason. They win a ton of hockey games every season. This long, long hockey season. Um, so I expect uh, a rematch. Loyola versus Nutrier. I think Loyola has the advantage this year overall. I think they won the season series two to one, and then they just beat Trier two to zero in the SHL, the league playoffs um, title. So they won the league. Um, but so it'll be a good one, a lot of rivalry. It'll be a packed house at Bensonville. I'm sure if those two teams play, it gets wild. So um, I do expect Loyola and Nutrier to be there.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it would have been really interesting to actually watch Trier Green take on uh, Nutrier White. Um, in the semifinals, I'm sure a lot of area teams would not be happy that there are two Nutria teams playing against each other in the semifinals. But um, I mean, Nutria Green has really dominated. I mean, they defeated Lake Forest seven to one in the what would that be? That the second round for them or the first round for them te- technically, and then they beat Bennett six to nothing in the quarterfinals. So I mean, they're just hitting their stride, um, doing what they need to do. So I think Nutria Green will take care of business. Um, again, St. Viator, I think that Loyola Stevenson game might be a little bit strong, uh, might be a little bit closer than we think. I mean, Loyola beat Naperville North, uh, four to nothing. And then Loyola gold beat GBS, um, three to one, um, Stevenson defeated Trier gray, 10 to nothing. Like you mentioned earlier, Stevenson defeated, uh, Ignatius, um, three to two in overtime. So I think that game will probably be the closer game. Um, but I do think it will be Loyola and Trier facing off on Sunday, um, and uh, it should be a fun matchup as it always is on Sunday. I mean, new, especially for Nutria and Loyola for hockey, always seems to get the crowds really into it. But for a champ, potential championship matchup on Sunday, that game should be uh, should be a lot of fun, and should there there should definitely be a lot of ammunition just based on um, playing against each other throughout the years, and <clears throat> um, you know, just put, playing for a state championship. I actually don't remember the last time that's happened. I don't know if it has happened, but um, those two teams are usually the two. Uh, two of the better teams in the local areas.
1: Yeah, yeah, it should be a good one. It definitely has happened too uh, in the past um, being being top-notch programs. So uh, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So make sure you're checking in on that. But um, other than talking probably about hockey next week, maybe we'll talk about all area, all conference teams um, if those, uh, come out from, uh, the CSL, but, uh, that should be it for our winter talk. We'll get into the spring season in next week's episode, get you all caught up on the million sports. That is the spring season. Um, always a lot of fun, some great, uh, sports taking place on the North shore. So oh, should be a, lot of, fun.
1: a couple more, one more winter thought, Mike, I want to leave it yeah. on basketball. A couple of things we didn't touch on one thing. And, and I, I, I threw it up on Twitter cause I thought it was special. GBS just captured their, so by, if we didn't give enough kudos to GBS, please, we, we love GBS. We think they're, you know, one of the best teams in the state. Uh, they lost a tough one to Barrington, but GBS, you know, great program. Nora and Martinelli are awesome. They're top two players, and so are some of the other guys. But <clears throat> they just won the first sectional title um, ever, um, and they stormed the court. So the court was going wild. Almost immediately, and obviously New guys are, are devastated, Uh, Nick Martinelli uh, broke from his celebration and obviously everyone's trying to, to, you know, dab him up um, to, to go see Jackson Monroe, his opponent who he's been uh, his rival, who he's been battling with for a long time in the post um, as probably two of the bigger guys in the area forever um, to just kind of, you know, give him respect um, after the game, say, you know, good game, um, sign of respect. So I thought that was really cool. You know, he could have done it in the, in the handshake line, which is, no one it's fine it's fine to do there's a handshake line for that but he, he did it right after the game in the middle of a celebration I thought that was just very high character and a very cool moment to see on the high school basketball floor so wanted to mention that too and just for the nutrient team it was fun to watch these guys they were respectful they were authentic all year I went to a lot of their games it was one of the most fun seasons for me to cover because it really felt like this team had something special and it's fun to, to see them go through that um, throughout the season and we know Jackson Monroe is going to Dartmouth. Um, Jake Feegan's a junior, he's gonna be somewhere. Um, Kirkpatrick, who's there off guard, um, and also handle the ball, he's gonna to go to uh, University of Chicago D3, and he said he's gonna play ball there. Now, we still got Peter Canellis, the point guard, Noah Shannon, Carlo Kolak. Those guys are all very good, and they will fill a spot in college basketball um I think they can all play I think Shannon and Kolak are no-brainers and if, for me Canellas is with his quickness and ball handling uh has a spot too but um they're going to be picked up quick it was fun to watch those guys they're really special ball players so uh, I'm excited to see what they do next because I, I think it'll be something really cool
0: yeah it'll definitely be fun to keep up with what they do at the next level of play but like we said uh, congratulations to Nutria on a great season historic season uh, um, probably not the best, not the way they wanted it to end it, but obviously a lot of history accomplished this year and a lot of fun headlines throughout the year. And it was fun talking about them throughout the winter season. So congratulations to them on a great season but like i said we'll jump on over to the spring in next week's episode probably so we'll get you all caught up on then um make sure you're keeping up with me as we've got some uh new recruiting news coming out from friday night drive so make sure you're keeping up with us there and keep up with joe at the record for all your sports needs but also everything else you want on the north shore area make sure you're catching up with him on the website and over social media as well so for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya.
1: Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record Northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.